Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Let's have some fun. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. To the conversation, to the, to the journey, whatever this is going to be. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wolf. Oh, show. So tell me, for this ride we're about to go on, what is your intention? Mm, well, you already said one word, fun. Mm. I want us to enjoy this and to be a vehicle of possibility for people uh, around catalyzing healing and transformation by being real. Ain't what that this all about. And I'll probably do this sometimes. We, you, we, we get in the shoulder rolls, getting them out here, like doing like shrugs, like, all right, we're going to work out. We're going to get this conversation. In. We're going to leave people feeling healed. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Sweet. What's your intention? Lately, and it, especially when it comes to podcasting, I'm wanting to set an intention of letting go and surrendering. I find that I, my ability to drop in and truly be in a conversation is predicated on my ability to surrender the idea that I have to be a certain way or have my quotes on fleek or have all the things that I want to say be perfectly verbose and articulate. And, and sometimes I lose train of thought. And, and I think that that takes away from the experience of being present. So I just want to surrender have some fun. That's crazy. I have to tell you something. Um, I have these poppies. That sounds beautiful by the way, but I have these poppies <laughs> um, in a vase next to my bed and they blossomed last night. And I took, I had taken a picture of them before when they were like tight and little hairy buds. Yeah. And then today the beautiful flowers. And I posted these two pictures today on Instagram and I said, surrendering open. So I'm in your prayer with you. And yeah, if we're just ourselves with no pressure, that's definitely going to be the best version. So I'm in for that. And by the way, if my uh, internet gets unstable, I'm really sorry, everyone. But this I'll is just cry. We we'll cry. We'll collectively cry. Okay. We'll figure it out. And, but, and hey, Have our feelings. Yeah, that's what this is all about, right? Hence, you know, perfect segue yeah. into the, the, the healing, feeling shit show and emotions and everything about that. So you are the host of a podcast that's called The Healing, Feeling Shit Show. And that is one of the things that captivated me about you when we met at New Media Summit was how expressive and open and authentic that you were. And then mm -hmm. I came to learn that you had this, I mean, I, I laughed my ass off, but you know, mm -hmm. somewhat pun intended, but kind of like a stretch a little bit. I laughed my uh -huh. ass off because I thought the, the whole thing of the Healing Feeling Shit show was hilarious. So what, yeah. what, is, what is this about? Let me just ask you, do you want me to sing the jingle first? Um, yes. This is the healing, feeling shit show. Are you gonna have that feeling and let it go? There is no other way to feel whole. This is the healing, feeling shit show. Flush. <laughs> <laughs> do do 
<laughs> yep. So what's it about? What's the healing feeling shit show? Yeah. What's, what's it all about? See what was happening. Oh, is it my internet or is it your internet? We will be right back after this brief, brief, brief intermission. Dun, 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 dun. Welcome to the Healing Feeling Shit Show, where we have awesome jingles, and our host, Rachel Kaplan, will be taking us through a beautiful ride and journey. We're back! Okay, so... Are you going to be editing shit together, because will you be able to work with that? Uh, so, I, I was never editing that stuff, however... At sure, depending on how the recording looks, I'm going to have to figure that out, but this will probably also be in as well. I'll figure it out. Whatever, it's going to look good regardless. Okay, cool. I don't know. It looks like I have full bars. I don't know if that was your signal or mine, but... I think that was my signal, which is bizarre. Okay. I've never had that happen, so... Well, it makes me feel better because I don't want to fuck up your show. <laughs> hey, man, it's it's already... It's too late. It's already been fucked up. It's over! It, but you know what? It's the shit, and hence the shit. Yeah. We're bringing it back to and what you're saying. So yeah, what is the Healing exactly. Feeling Shit Show about? Yeah, well, let me start by asking you a question. Yes. The last time you got that signal in your guts, that rumbling or cramping or whatever it was that you had to go poop, did you like read the internet or eat something or smoke something or try to post something for validation or something like that, ask for a hug? Did you do any of that? What'd you do? Isn't that what normal people do? No. When they have to poop? Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Maybe you do it while you're taking a poop, but no, I, I would definitely go and not take a shit. Yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> and, and why would you do that? Um, well, we see this is thing. This is biological thing that if I don't poop in the toilet, I'm going to poop in my shorts or it's going to be really distracting because it's going to be like trying to like punch its way out of me. And yeah, exactly. That's not productive. You, you know that the only way to get rid of that feeling is to actually go poop. Yes. And um, the reason you know that is you are potty trained. Um, we all true. learn that when we get that feeling, that sensation signal from our bodies, that that is the way to not have it. And um, emotions are the same thing, they're the same way, except mm-hmm. that we were not emotionally potty trained. So what we do, in fact, we were in very deeply conditioned from all kinds of sources, some well-intentioned, some very loving, some our parents, and a lot from society and the economy. We're conditioned exactly out of letting the feelings move through us. We're conditioned to either shove them down, be tough, mm-hmm. um, pretend like we're fine, buy something, eat something, drink something, whatever our drug of choice is. Sure. And so what that leads to is all these humans who are super constant backed up, all kinds of hard feelings. Um, and then this deep imposter syndrome that, that comes around where people feel like if people really knew like all these insecure, fearful, shameful feelings they had, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't be loved because they're all trying to not feel what they're feeling because they're Mm. full of emotional shit. And it's as simple as learning. So what I'm up to and what the healing feeling shit show is about and what I've come to understand after my whole life, but really like 25 years of relentless studying healing for various reasons, I've learned that if you do not have this emotional system fluid, and if you take off the letter E of the word emotion, what do you have? Emotion. Well, you have motion. Right. If you take off the E, you got motion. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, but you did it well. Emotion, motion is what's left. And so what it means, emotions literally move through us. They are clusters of sensations rolling in squads. That's what I define them as. Rolling in squads. Yeah, they're like, they're like anger, heat, tension, you know, or like fear, quivering and empty pit of the gut feeling. They're just these physical sensations, very much like we get sensations when we need to shit. And what we need to learn to do, and what I'm here to help be a stand for, a vulnerable, funny, but like really skillful stand for is in the world is like, hey, people, it's okay that you feel like shit. We all do. Um, You don't have to hide it. You just Mm -hmm. need to learn how to shit it out really well. You need to learn how to tune in and connect to the feeling enough that it moves through you. And that's the only way you're going to ever feel legit and whole and worthy and lovable as you are, like you're enough as you are, because you're not going to be hiding this, you know, 30 year dump that you didn't take. And that is what I'm up to. That is a really old dump. Yeah. That thing is definitely causing some uh, mass ruckus inside. That'll kill you. So I have like two divergent paths that went in my head. One of them is, and I think that you'll, you'll be able to, I think that you will have a better idea of which direction would be prefacing the other. And one of them is what led to this. And then the other is what is more about how do we become emotionally potty trained? And I realize these are two very like distinctly different paths. Which one do you think gives rise to the other one? Um, I think, you know, maybe just so people trust me a little more, I would be happy to share kind of what in my life made this a 25 year obsession. Um, Mm -hmm. because I know I personally hate being told what to do. (laughs) I don't know about you. I mean, right. It's like the worst. And (laughs) raise your hand if that's you. And everyone's like, duh. (laughs) Yeah. no, No one really likes it. And, um, and I know for me as, you know, a real truth seeker and someone who I've deeply studied, like, you know, spirituality and religious paths and new age paths. And I'm also like, so turned off by a lot of it. Um, (laughs) and even like psychological stuff, it's like, so, uh, I'm always kind of, I have my bullshit meter on. And so for me, what helps me trust folks is feeling like that they have full range and that they're not mm. just trying to act like they know everything. So in the, in that vein, I'm happy to just share a little bit about my journey. Um, so for your people, Hey, Wolf's people, Hey, hey. Wolf's back. <laughs> How y'all doing? Um, yeah. So this happened for me. I mean, you know, it's funny cause and you said you like stories and that you're not afraid of length. I do think that a lot of the roots Boom. of my... <laughs> <laughs> Should we add it? That's what she said or that's just too <laughs> the, obvious? The, well, see, if, the, if there was editing going on, it, it would have cued right... Boom. That's what she said. It would have just like gotten put in right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. So um, 25 years. That's, that's a long time to really be down yeah. a rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is like, you know, since we're not, I'll just add, I'm going to talk about what happened 25 years ago, but um, I do really see all of the underpinnings of my own healing journey and everyone's healing journey. And the way the and when I say healing journey, I mean the origins of why you feel bad, (laughs) the origins of why you might feel like you're not enough um, in some special way that's unique to you, but also not. Um, This really starts when we're tiny little babies. And I just came into this world really... Uh, sensitive. And, you know, that's such a loaded word, but I, what I mean is I think I could feel other people's realities, other people's feelings. Um, 
And so I was pretty distrusting. Like I came out a month early. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> Don't trust no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, literally my mom claims the first time she helped me, I was like, <laughs> who are you? So anyway, yeah. Like <laughs> woman, <laughs> thank you. But what? Anyway, so that there was a whole situation brewing that probably led to this being the perfect choice for me. But what, what you need to know is I was kind of distant from my family of origin, which is kind of weird. Um, and then the first person I really attached to that I was like, oh my God, you was this um, boy I met when I was 12. And his name was Keith. Keith Aaron Roberts. And I hope I'm, you're listening, Keith. Let it be known well, we're talking about you. You felt it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, he does, but um, he's dead. <laughs> so anyway, I fell for Keith really hard um, and just kind of became, you know, I was 12 and I had very little self-esteem, but I became obsessed with him and then, you know, figured out a way to make him my boyfriend, which somehow I did by being his friend. And then we were boyfriend, girlfriend, and he was just the center of my world. And really the first time I think I fully let myself step into attachment and longing for closeness. Um, Mm. and when we were, we got together when I was in like maybe eighth grade, I think. Um, and basically, uh, toward the middle middle of the year, uh, or right right at the dawn of two thousand or, or nineteen ninety five, rather. So, um, in the middle of our freshman year of high school, uh, school year wise, um, he basically conjured this very convoluted story about something. Um, which was the something was that he was going to go away to a drug rehab. I don't want to ruin it because your listeners could listen to episode four of my podcast is the most gorgeous, like narrated, scored memoir of this story, and it's really like so good. It'll help you cry if you're if you're backed up. But anyway, um, that'll be in the show notes, people. Yeah. Episode four is the Keith story, um, but basically he like pulled me into uh, this this, uh, web of lie of deceit. And I tried to, you know, letting me know that he had to go away and he'd rather, instead of going away, he'd rather die. And so I had about a week, um, or less, like maybe four or five days to try to figure out as a 14 year old girl, how to stop him from killing himself. And it got more and more escalated. I found out he had a gun and, um, I, it says my internet's unstable. Can you see me? I can hear, see all the things. Perfect. So anyway, uh, we made a deal that he wasn't going to commit suicide. Then he kind of said, well, okay, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Made a deal. And uh, I told him, I swore on my life that I would commit suicide if he did it too. That was like, I thought my best strategy, you know. Romeo and Juliet it, okay. Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, Which he was like, he actually said to me, once you see what this does to my family and friends, you won't do it too. Which is fucked up. But anyway, he promised that he wouldn't do it that night. He also had a, access to a gun, which I didn't understand. Um, but so we had a deal, and I was all like, "All right, I'm gonna stop him at um, basketball practice." And at any rate, he broke the promise and he committed suicide that night, um, January seventh, nineteen ninety five. And you know, suicide is devastating. I think it's like, I think th- I, I, like once I started studying it, that you know, not right away, but soon after I started studying 
what all the great religions and spiritual practices say about suicide. And they all actually kind of agree that it's in some way the biggest sin. And like, that's, you know, that's heavy sin, whatever that means. But there's something about it that the choice to end your life, that it's, it's, I think part of why it's seen that way is it's so excruciating for everyone around someone. And I think no matter how old you are, like adults, you know, full fledged adults. But for me as like a awkward, insecure 14 year old, I mean, it just, killed me. Like, and the main way that happened, I'd say is I got really just completely, I just went totally numb. I actually did try to plot my own death for a couple years. And there's some crazy, like, um, some fun, like, uh, unsolved mysteries and stuff with that story that I'm not going to get into here. And I don't even get into on that memoir episode. I do hope to share it in a book form at some point, but, um, yeah, I got really numb, um, hoped to die, but kind of knew that I wasn't going to commit suicide. Actually, I, I'm not someone who hears voices, but the day we were in his house and it was, they had just confirmed they found his body, something crazy happened, which was this voice came and it was like, not his voice, not my voice. Like, but as clear as day, I heard you will never do this to yourself. And then it was gone. So, and that was actually painful for me because, you know, I just felt so terrible and so terrible that I couldn't feel anything. And so I didn't really start working on that. I just became really sarcastic and intellectual and I didn't start working on it. Um, kind of tried to lie to the adults and tell them I was fine. And then the next time I tried to have feelings for a boy, um, who's still a dear friend and he's alive. Um, I realized, Oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm fucked up. And, and I didn't even know the half of how fucked up I was. So basically by maybe, 16 on, I've been, you know, on this healing journey from therapy. I had an amazing therapist then. And then I got really into, as I started healing, um, and coming back into myself, I became, it was like a, a sensual and spiritual unfolding because I'd been so up in my head. Um, and I majored in Eastern religions, um, in college. And so studying, um, Hinduism and Buddhism, I spent a year in, in Asia and Nepal mostly, and also India and, um, you know, learning yoga and became a yoga teacher quite early. And, um, by 24, uh, after years of teaching yoga and kind of guiding people in that way through healing, I went to um, grad school in counseling psychology and I've been a practicing uh, psychotherapist, licensed psychotherapist or practicing psychotherapist since two 2006. So for 14 years, but honestly, the deepest influence on the work that is the Healing Fit, Feeling Shit Show came through a man who I worked with like about 11 years ago and I wasn't quite ready. And so we terminated the work. And then I worked with, again, once I got married, I actually called him during the engagement phase. Um, I was like, help. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, did, like, he is not in any way a therapist. And he's asked me actually, it's a delicate thing. Cause he's a really private person and he mm -hmm. doesn't want me using his name and he doesn't want me blowing him up. He lives, when I first started working with him, he lived in a mud hut, like on the border of New Mexico and Mexico and Arizona. He's like, like a, he's, he's grid, been initiated. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. He has a phone, like living primitively, actually, like a lot of the crux of our work, um, was it included things like learning how to make, um, how to make, uh, what do they call it? It's like taking agave fibers and, and braiding them into cordage and like the pinnacle of my work of my own healing included, um, connecting with cottonwood tree 
from the from the point of living tree to harvesting wood to carving a um, bow drill set to bringing forth fire, you know, um, on a private intensive on his on his land and. Um, so he's, he's really like, he wouldn't call, he calls himself a, um, a traditional song healer. He's been initiated. He's a white man, but he's been deeply initiated in Apache lineage of healers. It's very private. Like he doesn't advertise that. I've just discerned it from years, but he really like a crux of what he was working with me on was really becoming skillful at moving my feelings in these very active, intentional ways. Um, mm. and that the work that, uh, really, the crux of it, that solo intensive where I brought forth fire, which I've done some cool shit in my life. I really have. I've had a big, rich life. I've like traveled the world alone, you know, seeing Radiohead in all kinds of favorite countries, big, rich, fun life. This is the coolest thing I've ever done was bringing forth fire. It was just because I thought I was never able to. But anyway, the crux of that intensive, five-day intensive, actually revolved around Keith, my dead boyfriend. That was 2015, so 20 years later. So anyway, so it's just been this lifelong pursuit. And um, and that work ended up resulting in me leaving my marriage, um, which was... And interestingly, without effort, I'll say that the um, actual perfect organic day that it was right for me to leave my marriage... Um, was the 22 year anniversary to the day of Keith's death without effort. Like I did not orchestrate that. And I really feel like the marriage to that man and the work with the healer um, was the perfect container for me to really heal from the karma of my life. And so in the year since then, um, that was in 2017. Mm -hmm. So three years later, three plus years later, I really was able to see how healed I was and how whole and joyful I felt. And after having pretty crippling pain through a lot of my life. And so that's where I was like, Oh my God. And at one point this healer said to me, you know, the gift you're receiving in this healing, it's like, it's a debt. And the only way you'll ever be able to repay this debt is by really claiming your life and like offering it forward. And so the, the shit show and everything I do as a clinician and um, but particularly the shit show is really about like my way of offering this healing for it and making it more available, putting it out there for free, teach people step-by-step, step, how do you actually heal from something that you never dreamed you'd heal from? Cause I really never thought I'd feel as worthy and whole as I do. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> and, uh, I want other people to have it too. And so that's the journey I've been on. <laughs> wow. That is a shit ton to unpack. Yeah. So real quick, this was a, it just like drugged me in, but what did you, what were you talking about? You said the bringing the fire or the bringing forth fire, bringing forth fire. Well, what is yeah. that about? Okay. So, you know, before we had electric stoves and electricity, you know, when we were living connected to the earth and yeah, the way people made fire was fire through friction, mostly, okay. you know, so there's different um, ways. There's there's hand drill sets where you have one stick going to another board um, where it's mainly this action. And then there's bow drill, which is this beautiful orchestration where you've got like a fire board and a spindle and a handhold and a bow with a rope. And you're like spinning the, the vertical piece into the horizontal piece um, with this bow. Oh. And it has, you have to spin it at a certain speed for long enough that it creates ash. Um, and you have a little cutout and the ash builds on itself, which makes this tiny little coal. And then you very carefully blow this coal into a Tinder bundle, which is funny that that's Tinder, you know? Just like yeah. the dating app. Um, and then Starting that's to flame. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how you make a fire. And it is, it's like a really demanding process. I actually went out to his land once um, and tried to do it and failed. And so when I was going back for the solo intensive, cause that was the only time I was there alone with him. He was like, we have to, you failed bow drill. We have to do it again. And I was like, no, not again. But anyway, and I saw like, you know, just behind me, I got like my bow, I've got cottonwood and Anyway, it was really, it's really empowering. And it was kind of part of what the work he's so steeped in and the ways that are lost currently in our current insane world where obviously everything is so fucked and out of balance that we're all in lockdown because there's a crazy virus that comes, you know, not saying it shouldn't be here, but there's, there's some way I think as a, as a way of being, we have contributed to its spread. It's like one of the ways that we're so out of balance is we don't have some of these skills of knowing how to contribute to the basic steps of our lives. Like we don't, most of us, I certainly didn't and and still largely don't know how to like garden and grow food or hunt food mm-hmm. or bring forth fire or, or build our, our shelter. And so when, when we had to know these skills or when people worked and lived these skills, there was this inherent well being emotionally and strength because you had to. And this man has taught me to to, and I don't, and this is not my wisdom, by the way, I'm just going to say that, but you know, the animal kingdom, a, a scared animal, a wounded animal, you don't see like, there's not self-absorbed animals. They're not animals that are feeling bad for themselves because they lost a the leg. They're just always moving forward and trying to make the best of their lives. And so there's this old way of balance in the, na- the natural world and it's earth day, right? It has some balance. And us is like, you know, our, our industrious, greedy, people, we've moved further and further away from those ways of being that just demanded inherent strength. And so what you see, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the leader of our nation, he is like the, it's the most stunning example of someone who is so fucking emotionally crippled and, and disconnected, doesn't give a shit about anyone or life itself. It's like, you know, I I mean that, that, that person could be in power is just such an example, I think of like the imbalance of things. And, uh, and so part of the healing that he has brought me to, which is very different than anything I had been exposed to, is just like finding that inner strength and resilience from learning how to contribute and learning how mm. to do this very, you know, primordial thing of like being involved with the creation of fire, you know, it was, it was dope. <laughs> to say the least. That sounds dope. I'm like, I want to go over here and bring forth some fire, which yeah. I think it's great because everything you're pointing at, which I personally was seeing happening inside of this, you know, whole epidemic thing is that it's almost like we're being called back to nature, to our nature, to, as I've been kind of commonly talking about people is the return to wholeness versus trying to fill a hole. And we get in this Mm. repetitious pattern of consuming, consuming, consuming just to get by. Right. And, you know, you- Or to feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. To feel okay temporarily. Cause it's just like, it doesn't work. (laughs) It's, you know, any great prescription drug, it does its thing and you come back and you get some more because it doesn't deal with what's beneath it, which this is more your realm than it is mine. It's just for my own personal deducing from my experience. Cause I've had all of our realm. If you're a person and you try to consume to feel better, you know, this I'm not, Mm -hmm. I mean, keep going. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. You bring up numbness and how you got to a point of numbness in your journey, right. With, with Keith and uh, what happened happened. And then you almost like in a way to escape that, I would imagine I'm 
kind of guessing here. It's like the body's just like, I can't handle anymore. Like I should kind of like cut myself off from this. You had to go through this journey, a process of unraveling all of those layers to get to that. And I so identify with that because me personally, I went through just a, just a lot of loss back to back to back in a couple of years. And even now I'm, I'm learning, I'm having to learn how to emotionally potty train myself because I intellectualize my feelings. Mm -hmm. That's everybody's favorite way. Mm -hmm. We just think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talk pretty about it. Yeah. How do we, how do we begin to unravel that? Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I definitely talk about that in the, in, um, I think it's like episode five or six episode five is like the, the nitty gritty of how do you actually feel your feelings? And ec- episode six is like, Oh, that sounded so easy. It's not. So it's like trouble. It's not all the, <laughs> all the problems you're going to have. I mean, the first therapist that I saw when I was a teenager and the only individual therapist I ever really liked, cause I'm a real picky client. I'm a bitch to work with. Cause I'm so like, don't moan at me. Like you didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm just like so particular. I'm like, ah, I, I didn't know your bull. I know your tricks. <laughs> but anyway, the first, you're therapist, not making it easy on anybody. No. Hence, no. I don't trust you, mom. I'm not sure how I feel about this exactly. relationship yet. Yeah, I'll think about it. Let me get back with you in a week. Put it in my yeah. calendar. Yeah, this, yeah, well, this healer, he was, I mean, he just like, you know, it was one of the first people I really let lead me. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, this first therapist was profound and amazing and really helpful to me then and great role model. But one of the tips she gave me that I think is so helpful to get out of our heads is I was like, because I was a little tiny talking head. I mean, I'm a talking head now, right? You're like, wow, I'm like a lot of, got all the words. Yeah. But, um, then when I was like, I will not feel anything. Um, I've also had caffeine. This has coffee in it. Um, (laughs) it's my second. (laughs) And she is getting all the, getting all the caffeine pumping into our bloods, getting all hyped up like a kid who just got handed a bunch of pixie sticks. Woo! (laughs) I know. Um, yeah, that's actually one of our cultural ways we love to lift up above the feelings, myself included. But, um, so basically when I saw Wendy, she was like, you know, she'd ask me how I was doing and I'd use all these fancy words. Like I'm frustrated and I'm this and I'm that. And I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you have four choices. You can be happy, mad, sad, or scared. And I was so pissed. I was like, no, there's so many. But when, if you only have those four choices, what it demands is to be like, okay, what am I really? And to drop in and to say, and what I would add, because I'm a, one of my primary trainings is in um, a form of psychology called Gestalt, which is really looks at how we distance ourselves from our experience and how unhealthy that is and how agency and well-being and health comes from getting really close to our experience. And one of the ways we can get really close to our experience is through language. Hmm. So instead of saying like, it's this, or, you know, talking you, you, well, when you do this and you do that, it's like learning how to say I. So if you say to me, I'm sad, I'm sad. If you really say that and we slow down, or if you say that to yourself, like, you simplify it. You get it into it's like primary. One of the ways I describe it is it's like um, if you think about the primary colors. You know, there's a billion colors in the world, but they all come from red, yellow, blue. So it can't get more simple than that, right? And so, and you can't have all the nuance without that. And so, when you're dealing with the primary colors, or as my healer said, the basic elements that they're only you know all of the world is made up of elements. You know, you see that, right? Earth air, water, fire, 
in various schools of healing technologies, but also just, I think in reality, I don't know. I know it gets more nuanced, like, you know, atoms, mm-hmm. electrons, not my, not my, it's not my arena, but anyway, <laughs> so when you break things down to their most elemental or essential, it helps us connect to them and like, mm-hmm. and come into our body. And then, you know, there's all kinds of techniques. I mean, the basic thing, just to start you from the beginning, and this is more into your second question, right. Of like, how do we do this? Um, well, first of all, let me just give you a quick tour. So the podcast, you know, episode one is like, come on board. This is why you should have your feelings. And there's um, six hours of my clients, like interview testimonials woven in. Um, four of the episodes actually have live therapy or it's not live, but unscripted therapy that I did with a stranger um, that kind of illuminate one of the emotions that I teach you how to work with. Um, there's an episode on, uh, episode 11 is on like how to be a potty trained adult in a relationship. Um you know, there's a little segue of my, my story in the middle, but it's basically like kind of why you should have the experience. How do we get so wounded? So understanding how our attachment, uh, system, like the, our need for, for caregiving when we're infants, how that wires into us, this basic problem <laughs> that emotionally around, we need care so much that any way we're subtly detecting that we need to be different to get the care, we will change ourselves to get that care. Cause it's survival. Like if your mom glasses over and gets really aloof every time you cry, or if your dad tells you boys don't cry as a little person, dependent, vulnerable person, you're going to do whatever you can to like try to get the love, you know? So it means you're pushing these parts of you down Mm -hmm. and these sensitive parts of you, these parts of you that the parents can't tolerate. Um, and so there's this process that happens where we have these parts of us that we, we think are unlovable. And then, and then as soon as we get a little older, we start really skillfully hiding those. Like by the time you're in middle school, high school, we want to be liked, we want to be cool. And so if we think that like, this thing about us is going to have us lose that. We will do whatever we can generally to not be that way. And so the most sensitive and um, fragile and shunned parts of us early on, we continue to shun. And so the first steps, um, and this is all like laid out in episode two and three is like, okay, do you, you know, once you're like, I want to feel better. It's like, are you willing to go into your basement and go find that closet where you've been stashing these parts of you that you think are the problem, these gross, ugly parts. That's how we think of them. The parts of us that are unlovable. Are you willing to go in and really gently kind of open the door back away from the door and say to these parts, yo, I am so sorry. Um, cause they're, these parts aren't going to trust us right away. I mean, we've be, we've become the villain. We've become the person who's stifling ourselves generally. So it's like how the first step is like being interested in creating a relationship with these parts. And what that means practically, like less metaphorically is getting curious about our, our, our feelings and our pain and all the things that we think are wrong with us, getting curious Mm -hmm. about what we're trying to hide. And, and then once, once we start to track what those, how those feelings at a sensation level come up, or whether those voices, maybe it comes up as voices, as self-criticism. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Oh, I'm too dumb to say, oh, I didn't have my speech ready, or I blew that meeting, or oh, that person's not going to want to go on another date with me. You know, using those signs to kind of hone in on what those core wounds are, like how we feel, how we feel like we're not enough. Um, and then, so once you do that, and that, that is really about like curiosity. It's about non-judgment. It's about, it's at the most basic level, it's about turning toward the thing you've been trying to turn away from. So it's like, yeah, 
turning toward the pain. That's the basic premise. And then- Basically, we have to stop running first because that's yeah. not doing anything. Stop running and and become, like, start training your mind. So a lot of this, you know, ends up being similar and to, like, different awareness practices or mindfulness practices. It's like, to do this, you have to start tracking your inner experience, um, your thoughts, your sensations. At the end of the day, we have to get someone or we have to get in touch with our sensations because that's we can't feel our feelings without getting into the body. That's where the feelings are. Feelings are physical, you know? And by the way, like feelings aren't true. We're not chasing feelings so hard because it's like the truth. Feelings are often connected to truth, but feelings, that's another great way. They're like poops. You know, you never look at a poop and think that's every poop's going to be like that poop. It's like, that's that poop. That's it. It's like that poop. And sometimes your, your poop might tell you, Oh, that meal didn't go well for me or (laughs) whatever, or I needed more water, you know, um, or Ooh, spicy food, not a good idea. Whatever it is, you might get information and feelings do bring feedback and they, and, and the more our feelings feel you know, pleasant and positive, the, the more we're probably getting a sense of we're doing our life in a way that works for us, the more we're filled with shame and anxiety, the more we're getting signs that we really need something different. We need more care from ourselves. But if you're not in touch with your sensations, whether you're, it's because you're thinking about it so much or you're just so focused on the outside world, you're not going to be able to become emotionally potty trainings, tra- mm. trained. So episode five, which is really like, how do you do it? Is me using what I've studied after, you know, years of meditation and yoga and all this to help you in the most simple way, learn how to bring your awareness, the part of you that attends and and notices toward your body and toward the parts that hold the biggest clusters of feeling of sensation. And then the the trick is like, then you got to become the feeling you got to realize if in the beginning, sometimes it's easier Cause it's so hard to be like, I'm in pain. I feel bad. It's when we're conditioned to be fine. That sometimes it's useful to think of these parts as our little parts, like our little kid parts. And I talk this out a lot. It's like thinking of little Wolfie or little Rachie, you know, we can often be a little kinder toward those parts. And, and so sometimes in the beginning, it's like, what is that part of you feeling? And you kind of distance yourself from it to be able to just be able to tolerate it. But eventually you have to be like, that's me. I'm the, I'm the part that's in pain and know how to bring your consciousness into the pain. So you can just let that ache move you, let that fear shake you, let that anger and resentment burn in you. And, and then, you know, and, and there's all these ways that I give people then once you're in touch with it, you know, to learn how does it move? Like anger and sadness move in very different ways, you know, anger. And what element do you think would correlate to anger? Fire. Yeah. Anger explodes. It's hot. It goes out. It wants to destroy. Sadness, like, it's like a, it's an implosion. It's a swampiness. It's downward. It, it literally, what element comes out of our eyes? Yeah, water. Yeah. So, so to tune into them, you need different skills, you know? And so we start with anger. So once I give the basics of how to do it and then how to do it, cause it's hard, <laughs> then we go into anger and we're like, okay, how do you move anger? And what is the taboo about anger? And how do you need, what do you need to know about moving anger? And how can you, so I've brought like dozens of clients out to the woods and had them chop wood with an ax, which is what my mentor did for me. Um, or you can take That's a so towel interesting. or blanket. I love chopping wood. Yeah. So you just, but you let yourself be like villainous and vile and murderous and you're, and you can say (laughs) the creator or however you envision it or 
you're worried about like manifesting some negative thing with your thoughts, like so many new age foo-foos do or are no offense guys. Um, but like, you can say like, I'm just doing this for healing. Like, I don't really mean this, but I'm just giving the part of me that has this penned up rage a voice. I'm just safely having a little controlled burn because, you know, with anger is a good example. People who think, and anger is the most taboo, you know, um, a little less so for men. The most shunned for sure. Yeah. Like our, our parents' generation, I bet I'm a lot older than you, but Um, you know, my father was definitely trained that that was the one feeling he could have. So a lot of times his feelings of fear or sadness look like anger because he was given, you know, men are also given permission to be angry, women less so, but either way, I mean, especially in the new age and, and therapeutic work, you, you hear about anger management, you know, and not that we don't want to manage fire, but it's like, it's not about controlling and repressing or containing. It's about like, how do you relate? How do you create a healthy relationship to anger? Like if you look at fire, we use fire. Like that's how we're cooking our food. That's the core of electricity. That's the core of how, like what's happening in our cars. I think solar panels, you know, people have been working with fire. There's all kinds of like Agni, which is the word for fire um, in Sanskrit. Agni is like our digestive fire. You know, there's, it's like fire is part of life, you know, just because it can take down a forest or a house doesn't mean we don't use it. And we need to learn to relate to and use our anger in a constructive way. If you can get rid of the backlog of explosive rage or, or of martyring yourself of like putting yourself down and then becoming really resentful, which happens, those are kind of the two ends. You have the, I think I resonate with that one. The second one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't explode on people. I'm much more explosive towards myself in that I'll just like hold back, hold back, hold back. And then I'll then become resentful. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, so I relate to myself as not being an angry person. I don't get angry, but I thinking that that's more like I internalize my anger. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think I, I get what you're pointing at. Yeah. And that, that ends up looking like depression. So for you and almost for most of us, like anger is one of the best places to start with this because it's like giving yourself to give yourself permission to be angry does a few things, you know, to, to genuinely be angry, especially to be angry at someone other than yourself, you have to value yourself. You know, you have to be like, I deserved better. Like that shouldn't happen. You know, ultimately when it's in balance, like anger and balance is a, a sign that, Hey, something just crossed my boundary. That didn't feel good. Mm. You know, and it won't be in balance until you know how to work with it and you've released some of it. But for you, for, and, and generally people, they're either imploders, you know, under pressure, people's systems generally do. And I learned this from my mentor too, just to give him a shout out. Two things. One is that they either explode and fire up and they get really fast. That's what I do. So the more stress I am, the faster my system goes. So for me, a lot of the healing was learning how to slow down, how to feel the sadness, how to like, you know, but for you, it sounds like you're more of an imploder. You're going to be harshing on yourself. You probably shut down under pressure. Mm-hmm. A shutter downer. And then I and make neither, myself wrong for shutting down. Cause like, I got to show up right now. I'm supposed to be working. I got to get these things yeah. done. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so for you, the energetic, you know, how you start to come into balance is you start practicing exploding and you, and, and one thing that is good news for you and all the people listening who are like, no, but I'm not angry. I mean, no one's ever done me wrong. You can start anger work at yourself. If that's the only thing you have access to is your anger towards yourself, physicalizing it, being like, fuck you, why'd you do that? It's still going to move it out of your system. Yeah. But eventually the goal would be to help you feel anger toward 
like not yourself. And the point is not to like leave someone in victimhood or to leave someone in a story that the world has done them wrong, but to like clear that out and to, and all of this work, you know, this is what's so cool about it. Part of how it's so life-changing is like when we've tried to avoid these painful parts of us, shame, and mostly what, when it comes down to it, the deepest core wound is shame and worthlessness and not belonging. I don't talk about not belonging as much in my podcast because I don't think I'm ready to, honestly. I'm still working on that, like how to be a part of something bigger. But like shame and worthlessness are, are where the podcast journey ends for me, which is um, earth. You know, anyway, we'll get there. But, you know, most of the people, the core wound you know, it leads to something like that. Um, but when you spent your whole life trying to avoid the feeling of I'm not enough, or there's something wrong with me or the feeling of anger, and then you make it your goal to start figuring out how to connect with it skillfully. First of all, it changes the whole situation. Cause then when you feel bad, you can simultaneously be proud of yourself. Like I have clients come in they're like, I was able to cry for like 20 minutes and I felt so bad. And we're like, yeah, you know, (laughs) Or you're like, I wanted to kill him and I totally beat my couch and it felt amazing and I was so mad and then I felt better. It's just like, it brings, instead of shame, it surrounds this experience with pride. And it's really about agency. Like, you know, and and not a a Hmm. puffed up pride, like a, I I did what I I was good to myself. I dealt with what's there. It's like a self-trust. What I say, the big thing that I'm trying to guide people toward is what I have come to term emotional resilience. Um, and I think it's better than happy. It often includes a lot of happy for you. Cause if you, for you to get resilience is nice. Yeah. But like to know that you can handle your feelings, what, and you can therefore handle what life brings. Cause obviously life is a fucking shit show, especially right now, but always. Um, and so, you know, so learning how to move your feelings does bring the sense of look what I can do. And it makes it, it frees people up to be brave and to take risks because they know that, okay, worst case scenario, I'm going to have some hard feelings. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of, I mean, I would, for you particularly, I would check out, um, the anger episodes, episode seven, Mm. but I go through each of the feelings, teaching people how to understand it elementally, how to work with it, different ways to try it. Um, so we go through anger and then sadness because we got explosion and implosion and then fear and shame are both a little more complex. Fear is really hard and really important right now as we're in this pandemic, because, oh man, if we're not all freaked out for real reasons. Um, but fear is one that sometimes it's like frenetic and explosive, and sometimes it's paralyzing and implosive. And so you need to learn to work with it both ways and to sure. figure out how to figure out, <laughs> how to feel out which one you need in a given moment. And shame is the same. And the shame piece, and I'll just go into this tiny bit and it wraps it up nicely, and it'll connect back to the anger piece for you. Shame, I mean, shame is excruciating. That feeling, um, one of the ways my mentor described it to me uh, about me years ago was like, <laughs> uh, he was like, yeah, it's like you're, you know, you're like a raw nerve with like no skin. If you think of like an exposed nerve and a tooth, how like air and water, food, it's like it all hurts. Yeah. So if, we're, if we feel like there's something wrong with us, we could be sitting at a cafe when we used to do that and someone walks by and we're like, oh, do they look at me funny? Oh, am I doing, am I sitting weird? Did I, did I not wear the right? shirt like oh you know it's like everything hurts because we just feel like this exposed nerve and so shame a lot of the work with shame is like feeling how painful that is and so it's a lot of grieving and a lot of like coddling yourself and the little part that feels like it's not enough and but the like final steps I think of shame work are being like fuck that that's not true (laughs) and I'm not gonna 
my life like that. Like that was what the crux at my um, solo intensive was, was like, he kind of said, look, you've pedestalized this kid, this kid who attacked you, who was intentional. Like he said to me, I'm going to repeat it. When you see what this does to my family and friends, you will not do it too. He knew this was going to devastate us. This was going to be annihilating. And mm. he still did it. And he pulled me into it. And it's like, I had to find my rage to be like, fuck you, you punk. I am not going to spend another day of my life feeling like my life has so little value that, you know, I put my life on the line and I was abandoned unthinkably. And so I had to find my fire and I chopped wood like I never have. And I really found this fight to, and ultimately we have to fight back to our inner critics and all those voices that we've internalized that tell us that we're not enough. We have to be like, fuck you. And so, you know, then that's why we need access to the anger. Cause it's like, without that fire to say, no, I'm not going to live like this. We don't end up like changing the story. So that's what you do. And then, and then every time you have those wins, it's really important to like really notice and to start kind of creating challenges in your life where you get to expand your concept of yourself and finally get who you are now. So you have this like tested sense of self and it's kind of like a rite of passage. Like for me, bringing forth fire was a rite of passage. And that's what old primitive earth connected people knew is like, and there's some rites of passage left in various cultures, but Mm -hmm. you know, that to feel trust in ourselves, we have to prove ourselves to ourselves. And so part of this healing work, what I want to end the work with, with people is like, how do you really like get who you are now? So you can rest in this like resilience you've created through dealing with all this shit. And the last thing I want to say, I promise um, for right now is that part of what, how the healing happens is, you know, when we get attention from anyone, when someone's like really listening and like with us, attuning to us, you know, or if you, if you hang out with little kids, they're like, look at me, look at me, look at this. They just, we just need that contact. There's a saying in Gestalt therapy, contact is curative. And so when we're spending so much time trying to make contact with our wounded little ghouls, and monsters and like (laughs) loving them and pulling them in instead of shunning them, they start to feel worthy. They start to realize that it wasn't their fault, that there was nothing wrong with them, that, that our parents just couldn't tolerate our sensitivity or our crying or our parents were in their own backlog of shit and they start to feel worthy. And so that's when they integrate into us and we don't feel like we're hiding a, a, a worthless, terrifying ghoul. We just feel like, yeah, we're a whole healthy human, which is some shit. It's like, that doesn't mean we're perfect. Hmm. You know, I still have aspects of myself I'm working on fully allowing to be there. So it's not like I'm saying it's about perfection, but I do feel, even with those aspects, like a worthy human, you know, and like a beautiful, like gift, you know, like that I bring, Hmm. I have value and like, and I didn't always feel like that you know? And so the contact and all that time we spend to get in touch with the pain is actually the thing that heals us. And it's dope. (laughs) That's fucking beautiful. And it sounds like in a way it's like deciding it's time to come back home because at some point we, we vacate the premises that is our essence, our being, right. We come into this world and, you know, you might be a little bit distrusting of the thing that, you know, brought us into this world, but nonetheless, we, we come into this world and at some point we, we disassociate. We, it's like, the puzzle gets ripped into a bunch of pieces and now we're going through and we're trying to sift through them and, and understand them and, and bring them together. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. To it's a, a remembering you're bringing, it's like a remembering meaning you bring the members together back into wholeness. You welcome them back. Yeah. You come into your body wow. and bring your little parts, your, you know, ostracized parts back into wholeness. That's a beautiful yeah. way to see it. 
I'm, I fucking love that. And I knew there's a reason that you were going to be on here. Minus the fact I love you. And I just knew this from the time we met and like your whole concepts, but that's what this whole podcast is about is, is the truth. Like what is our truth and remembering the truth of our existence and when we can do that. And it sounds like a lot of the journey is compassion. It's being able to be yeah. with that inner child. So it's interesting your thoughts on this, because I've actually segregated in my mind, the different parts of my psyche, so to speak, because I've had the inner child conversation, but I also have the inner bitch conversation, which is my inner child's the one who is the one that definitely goes down shame, which real quick side note question is anger internalized turn into shame. Is that what um, I would say? Often anger internalized long enough, and this is what the therapy industry would say, is it, it more ends up looking like a depression. But um, but I think for me, like when I started doing anger work, it was really connected to my shame work. Like I'd be cutting, chopping wood. Um, sometimes I couldn't get far enough away from the road because I didn't have enough time. And like a car would drive by and I'd be like, don't look at me. You know, it was like shame, you know, it's like, um, and I would just chop it out. But yeah, I think they're deeply connected. I think when, when we feel, you know, this is, yeah, it's astute. Like one, another way you see that connection is, um, you know, when people feel really bad about themselves, Mm -hmm. which so many of us do we, you know, we tend to be incredibly defensive because if someone gives us feedback that's critical, it's going to spark our inner, you know, nasty ass bitch criticism, (laughs) right? To bring your bitch in. And um, so it's it's almost unbearable. And so those people need to push back on anything that's going to trigger that. And so it it can feel really protective when really it's like that's the, the, the anger is shielding the shame. Mm, it's, it's the, it's the cover up. It's the the front for what's actually beneath. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So and that's another way people understand anger is that it's like a shell over grief and stuff. But I feel like that way is a, a, another way to unval or devalue anger by itself. Hmm. Anger by itself also is important. Not, not just as a cover up, and it is often the top layer, which is why I often start with it with people, but it's like, it's also important just for itself. We need Mm. to be able to like have a healthy relationship to anger also so we don't fucking destroy our relationships. Sure. And is being able to find healthy ways to express it. You, you said chopping wood in my mind. I'm like, well, I could imagine martial arts would be good. Like exercise, Mm -hmm. like things that. Yeah. Punching bags. Yeah. All of those things that, like you said, emotion, energy and motion, it's being able to mobilize those things. I imagine get stuck in our fascia, get stuck in our tissues and then manifest as whatever they manifest as. Yeah. And anger more than any of them needs to be physical. Mm. And it's tricky. And if you, if you are limited in your ability to be physical, you can like, you know, like squeeze and mutilate a pillow, you know, you can use like just, you know, breath or making noise, um, singing, yelling, venting. Like sometimes people just like talk shit in their car. Um, you know, so you have to find (laughs) out what works. But it's, it's best to have some, you know, sprinting uphill, but you just want to connect to the feeling and then let the explosion happen. So you were, you were actually going somewhere. You were like, quick side note, but you were yeah. talking about your parts, your inner bitch, your inner child. bitch, inner child. So I, and you might have a different person. You might, you probably have a very perspective on this, but I always related to the inner bitch. When I say inner bitch, I mean the part of me that's like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not very tender with that part because yeah. to me, I'm like, it's a lot of times it wins. I end up like not doing it, but I look at him like, why are you this way? Like, why yeah. can't you want to be helpful in this moment? Why can't you want to stand up and do something? And that is part that I have really not come to like understand fully is the, I don't feel like it is literally, it just shows up just like, yeah. that. I don't want to do that. Well, one question for you is like, you know, like you said, sounds like that part wins a lot, right? Totally. So, um, I mean, one, can I ask you a few questions? 
do it. Um, how much, like, I mean, it's what I hear in that is that you have a rebel, you have some, and it could be laziness. And sometimes like, I will like, absolutely. I'm working with people around how do you put on your big boy pants or big girl pants and just find that it's like the way if you watch a parent with a kid, there's a, um, kind of a warmth, but a firmness. If the kid's going to run into the street, the parent's not like, yep cool. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like going to grab the kid and be like, no, you can't go into the street, but they're going to be like, hold the kid and be loving with the kid. So there's like, there's a certain way I think we need to cultivate as grownups of like how to be like, no, I'm not going to let you do this. That can be more of like a fighting back. And I think the softer it is, the more loving it is, the more curious it is. Like for instance, for me, just to be completely real, like being in quarantine, I'm in quarantine in a beautiful place, but it's, I'm alone and I have, I'm such a social connected being. So I have connections all over the neighborhood with my daily routine that are cut off and dating is cut off and all these things. And so, you know, one of the things I had going for me were my snacks. And so, um, I was like eating, like I had triplets inside me, which I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, and, and I, I've learned as a 40 year old woman, like how to have a healthy, um, approach to food and what I need to do for food. And so I was trying those more gentle ways of like just eating moderately. And, and most of it was like pretty healthy shit, you know, but like way too much of it. And I finally had to be like, okay, I'm not I'm not able under these circumstances, you know, the coronavirus and all of the things that are coming with it, it's like putting a 10,000 pound weight on all of the fragile external and internal structures. So like, obviously our government and our economy is fucking in shambles or whatever, at least the economy right now. Um, but internally, all of our sense of whether it's fear of being alone or fear of not having enough time to take care of ourselves or fear of like, the future, whatever it is, everything's burdened right now. And so for me, food is something that I sometimes abuse or use to medicate, like, you know, whatever. Um, And I just, under this pressure in this circumstance, I just couldn't use my normal ways. And so I had to finally be like, after giving it a good solid try, I was like, okay, there's a cleanse I've done a few times um, that just makes food about like fuel and just kind of strips the whole thing down. And it's time for that. It's a little more extreme. I don't always like doing more extreme things because it doesn't, it sometimes backfires, but it's like, I need that right now. That was me in a loving way being like, no, you're not going to feel better at the end of this pandemic. If you put on 20 pounds, like that's not going to help your fear of maybe, am I ever going to be allowed to connect with someone again? So I put on my big girl pants and just like made a grown up decision and it's actually going really well. So I think in one way, as far as your like, I don't want to, you know, finding what is your loving but firm grown up voice feel mm. like is one thing that's really critical. But, you know, to like to try to learn to have compassion, it's like I would investigate things like, was there either extreme structure when you were growing up? Like, were you really controlled? And is that a voice that, you know, is trying to protect your autonomy or your uniqueness, or was there not enough structure and therefore your internal, oftentimes when kids grow up in permissive households, or maybe there's a lot of kids or, you know, there's a lot of chaos, you know, their response to it is to like come become these really rigid, you know, beings. And so you can kind of explore tons of structure. Yeah. So yeah. So you're rebelling. You're like, fuck that noise. I'm going to be who I am. And I think, you know, getting, if you can get curious about what was the pain of that, like, what did that make you feel around? How were you not seen? How were you missed? How did mm-hmm. you 
How did you feel stifled? And so maybe it's like working with the anger of being controlled um, in a more in a more intelligent way where you're not actually sabotaging your life, but you're giving it. And I imagine just given what you told me that that would be really useful. It's also working with fire. You know, people say, put a fire under your ass. You know, it's like, it lights us up, like getting fired up is useful as far as getting shit done. Right. That's part of why some of us are so addicted to it. Cause it's like, we're fired up and we are productive and like, we're taught, we, yeah, we're taught that that's what makes us valuable. So for you, when you're feeling like that, either, like channeling some of that anger, whether it's thinking about the loving, they tried their best, amazing people who raised you with that much control, or, you know, if you can't do anything else, the part of you that you can just have a fight, you can beat your bed around, um, you know, the part of you that's trying to get you to start to, you know, um, like edit this episode where you're like, I don't want to do it. I want to watch 10 more episodes of this thing and be like, fuck you. But it's like, can you bring that fuck you into like an energetic, physicalized way where it can have its way. And then the grown up and you can be like, are you ready to be a, are you ready to take care of us now? At the end of the day, the hidden secret of all this, which took me a long time in my own healing to get is that the crux of what this is about, it's not about squeezing out an emotional poop. If we approach ourselves that way, it won't work. If we're just trying to exploit it or be a good client or be a good student or be a good emotional potty trainer, it doesn't work. The, 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 the crux, the trick is it's about caring for ourselves. Hmm. It's about learning how to give care for the wounded parts of us, learning how to be caring toward ourselves. And sometimes care, like you'll see with parents, looks like utter vigilance and protection and structure and firmness but yeah. it's about like being kind ultimately hmm. and as always it's it seems like it's being able to find the the middle way between too little structure and too much structure and, and too much firmness and no firmness whatsoever. It's somewhere in the middle of creating space for whatever's showing up there. Cause I get that. Cause like, even like, you know, editing the podcast, sometimes it's like, Oh, this is tedious. Like, you know, being able to sit down, I'm going to do it, but I'll distract myself and and I'll find things to do that. So there's, like you said, making room for that emotion. Cause like for me, the way that I deal with it, I say, well, I just have to get over it. But it almost sounds like you're saying acknowledge and deal with what's there because the energy of that being released can then be fueled into the thing that seems so tedious and arduous. Yeah, absolutely. And that like, and it's a way of honoring yourself that there's a reason you have a little rebel inside you. And Mm. like, it's a way of honoring that that came to be a certain way, you know? And, and that doesn't mean letting it get its way. Like a kid can be like, I want cake for breakfast. And you're like, I know, babe, of course you do. <laughs> and we're not going to do that. Like honoring doesn't mean you're letting it win. Yeah. And like out honoring, it's like, it's going to just fight louder. Like when someone's not like in my marriage, when I wasn't feeling heard, I just got louder. It's like, when we don't feel heard, we're going to just act, dig our heels in more. And so it's like, how do we, honor and hear and value those parts and then figure out. And that's just to go back to like, when I said emotions aren't true, it's like really important. And I talk about this a lot in detail, um, that we're not trying to, the, the point isn't to become like loose emo motherfuckers who are just like letting our feelings drive. It's about learning yeah. how to have, like, you know, when we poop, we go alone. We take a few minutes. <laughs> Maybe. Some of us, some of us are I know, I know. I know. I, did, I put that into that episode. I'm like, I don't know. What, what are the kids doing these days? I imagine you do it by yourself. Mostly, obviously, there's a time where you might need help. Doors start open. Off needing help. Yeah, whatever it is. But like, it's basically a private thing you do 
and the rest of your day is is separate. And so similarly, like, you know, and there's, there's different, sometimes like usually the first layer of emotional skill comes with learning how to deal with uh, reactively. Like when a feeling comes on, like someone makes you mad and you're like really mad and how to deal with it skillfully. Okay. You go and you let it out and then you regain your balance and you have a baseline and then you come to them in a sober way and you're like, Hey bud, this, this, and this, you know, that would be the first layer is like, it's actually happening from a trigger. It's harder to go from neutral where you're just like having a good day, but you know, you have this anger, you have to pull up <laughs> like, and that's proactive emotional work. That's harder, takes more skill, but yeah. that's the ultimate goal. But you're still doing that in this way where you're just trying to move shit out. You're not trying to like, that's not the moment where you're making decisions. That's not the moment where you're making phone calls. It's not the moment you're not trying to do this with someone. Although sometimes what you'll see People like contact and like the, what happens is I talk a lot about bandwidth because part of what's hard about feeling feelings, even once you want to, is like the files are so big and so old that they're huge. And to move a file through that big, it's like downloading a movie at the airport. It's not going to happen. Oh like, man. It's too big. So you have to learn how do you increase your bandwidth? How do you, how do you use music? How do you use making art? How do you use nature? How do you use, and what, what, what I see and what therapy largely is, and especially shitty therapy, I say it only is, is like, it's, it's not to say that this isn't part of excellent therapy, but it's like, we need more than this. It's like, what happens is the attention from the therapist increases the client's bandwidth to go into the pain. And you see people do that. Like a lot of times people are upset and they call someone and the feeling of being loved helps them cry. And, and in honesty, recently, as I've been struggling with my experience in the pandemic, I have had moments where it's like, it's, this is so much pressure. It's so big that I think for most of us, it's more than what we can move through most of the time, you know, and that's even people who don't have sick people in their lives, who don't have death in their lives, who maybe it's like for everybody, it's just such a big thing. And so you know, and so there's no judgment on using people as bandwidth, as hotspots, you know, <laughs> that is what I am. I'm like, I'm like an emotional colonics practitioner and I am a Wi-Fi Emotional hotspot. colonics. I am an emotional Wi-Fi hotspot. That's what I do. But, but it's like, ideally it's like how powerful to learn how to do that for ourselves. So we don't mm. need to leech on or hook on or dump all of our hard feelings on someone. It's like, sometimes that's appropriate. When people pay me, that's appropriate, you know, but ideally we want to learn how to in increase our bandwidth by ourselves. Um, I have no idea what I was saying right before bandwidth. Do, 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 do you? Well, I think the general point of what you're making is being able to, being able to create space and, and skillfully learn to channel these things oh, without right. having to rely on other people. Yeah. Right. And it was about like the goal. The goal is that, you know, that we can do that in a healthy way. And so that, you know, that we're not believing our, our thoughts and we're not believing our feelings and that ultimately at the end of the day, we have a grown up driving. So it's like someone who yes. does this work will not become more explosive and uh, like, they're going to become more joyful. They're going to become like really strong and someone you want to talk to, you know, um, someone you want around cause they're fun. Hopefully, unless they're just like hopefully. essentially not fun. I guess not everyone was <laughs> born equally fun, but <laughs> can't help you with that. <laughs> mm, I do think this work makes people more of whoever they are and not everyone's yeah. gift is fun. It's like some people are here to bring like, you know, this subtle, quiet, nuanced understanding of life. You know, we've got so many jobs and so many needs as like a human family. It's like, we don't all have to be the same thing. And I do think 
that this guided journey is really about like learn to be strong enough to reincorporate those weird parts of you. Cause those are the cool parts of you. Like think about the people who really impact our world and like David Bowie's a great example or, you know, there are people that don't fit the mold, you know? And it's like, the more we actually can be who we are, the more we, we know what our medicine is, you know, mm-hmm. we start to the reintegrate. Truth, like you said, exactly. You're, you're what you said to me before we started. It's like the truth. You want to say that your line and I'll weave it into my work. Truth, truth with yeah truth uh withheld is poison truth expressed as medicine right and like what that would look like in this model is like if there were parts of you that were true and that got shamed and therefore you push them down they will make mm. you feel like a worthless piece of shit and they will make you sabotage your life but if you learn how to love them and incorporate them and express them and support them and be yourself with them you're going to be like saucy unique saucy. compelling you're going to be like the cool, like the best version of you, which was what, you know, living my best life. Like that includes, you know, being the parts we thought were like, you know, all of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's in essence, and it seems like this is like the journey that so many of many of us are on. There's so many different modalities of doing it, but again, it's, it's how do we come back to this integrated piece where we realize that who I am without the, without the, the metaphors of makeup or the, the mask, the illusion has been withdrawn. And now what is present is this silly and like quirky person who is just who they are. Maybe they, maybe they are more reclusive or maybe the reclusiveness was a response to the environment, like being yeah. able to really get to the core of that yeah. and to love those parts, which as you mentioned, it's, it's a tough journey. It takes yeah. a, a ridiculous yeah. level of awareness which yeah. I imagine with any transformations where it starts, we have to first know something's off. It's true. And it's simple. It's like, it's not easy for us when we haven't been on it, but like sure. imagine a world where like kids were really, you know, and I think there's a lot of like parenting schools and parents trying to do this and, but where we learn to teach kids how to work with their feelings and how to include, you know, it's possible that if someone wasn't shunning off those parts of themselves so much, mm. it wouldn't be as hard, you know? And I, I do think as we're evolving as a species, you know, we're not killing it in all ways. Obviously we're destroying the planet in in certain ways and we're, (laughs) you know, shit is way out of balance in certain ways. But I do think I'm definitely surrounded by a lot of parents who are really helping kids you know, befriend themselves. And so the, the reason I use the poop metaphor, which is so offensive to so many people, I'm just getting countless, you know, people love it and think it's funny. And also a lot of people are like, I'm really not into scatological jokes. And I have a manuscript done that's 80,000 words. It's completely like the book version and it's emotional potty training for grownups. And it's going to take a special agent that's going to be like, yeah, let's, you know, cause it's going to take a brave human to read a book on a, on a BART train or a subway that says emotional potty training for grownups because it's admitting we don't know how to deal with our shit emotionally but um but the reason i use that metaphor is like there it is so organic and simple it is something that is really like learnable and and the reason there are so many ways but i will make the bold claim that if you if someone does not have this healthfully running in their system, they're not going to be healthy. This is like, to me, the most essential thing you have to have in order to heal yourself and love yourself. It is a long journey, but you fucking need this, this, like you need an emotional system. If you were eating every day and not pooping, you'd be dead. Same thing with feelings. You have to learn how to move your feelings. And something that we, I think we kind of like gently touched on is not only is this 
it's not like it's important. It's like, this is necessary. You know, there's a distinction between like, oh, this is really important for us. They're like, you really should eat healthy food. You can get through life and not eat healthy food and still live a pretty decent life. However, it's like, it's, it's a necessity because of the, yeah. the physiological, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual effects that it has. Yeah. And there's something to be said about this time in life, this epidemic that I relate to myself as someone who is generally like very positive and uplifting. And I'm the, I'm the motivator. That's, that's how I like, I think a lot of people relate to me. I'm the person who's going to motivate and inspire people. And when I'm not that it's when it's tough for me. And lately I didn't occur to me. I was empathic until recent when I was just like, why am I waking up feeling like shit all the time? And I was realizing that like my you said bandwidth, but I felt like my bandwidth got really small. It's like, I feel like I can't handle anything right now. Like this is weird. I usually can handle a lot and all of a sudden it got less, but it's, and I think that there's probably globally that this is happening to a lot of people and being able to just, as you mentioned, like even the most attuned, the most, you know, physically conditioned, so to speak, like if, if you've gone to the gym, even these people are like, shit, man, this is, this is yeah, dense. This is heavy. It's tremendous. Yeah. I mean, none of us have lived through this. This is like the, I mean, we've never seen anything like this and no one's good at it yet. And just being gentle with ourselves. And it's mm. like so far reaching. I mean, a lot of times when, when you're doing healing work and you're trying to dig up what you're afraid of, like that, that thing you're afraid of is no longer a threat. It's very mm. different when we're having to learn to move fear, which is one of the harder, more, you know, complicated feelings to get good at moving. And the threat is really present and you going outside can feel like a threat. Going to the grocery store can feel like you're going into a war zone. It's like, you know, and whether or not those, it's like, I'm not even judging whether those responses are logical or rational or in, in proportion to the threat. It's just like, we're all feeling a threat sure. and it's huge. And so any bit of gentleness and cutting slack, not demanding that we like recreate ourselves during this pandemic, like I haven't been that productive. I was productive as fuck for the last few years when I made this <laughs> podcast. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I put out 57 episodes. Fuck. Yeah. I like, I took nine months and wrote the podcast, the first season, it, you know, put out 57 episodes in the first year. I'm taking a break between seasons partially because I want to get this book out because for me, I feel like the best use of my life force is, is to spread this m message about emotional potty training versus be a talk show host. So I'm trying to like, now it's not the best time to pitch New York city from like my first time ever author book, you know? So I'm, it's like, I'm kind of paused, but I am not pressuring myself to like be la, la, la. it's like, it's okay to just survive this. It's okay to just take care of ourselves and learn how to not like do damage through eating poorly or, or to how to take care of ourselves and how to get connection and how to just stay sane. Like sometimes we have to lower the bar, you know, and, and well, increase like that, the lowering the bar. L lower the pressure, increase self-care. Ooh, see, I increase the pressure. I, yeah. I increase the pressure and I also have been more on the self-care, which well, I guess- good. At least you got half of it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's up to you. Like, I know you're in a generative moment. <clears throat> you're creating your podcast and that requires generating and creating a podcast requires a tremendous amount of structure and follow through. And so good for you. And it's hard work and you might need a certain you know. amount of pressure to continue that. But like being hard on yourself <laughs> is not gonna help you. 
you're you're not wrong. And that's actually something I was just having a conversation with friends about in the house. Like, man, you know what I want more than anything is to have like a fucking week where I have no responsibility to anybody for anything. And I can just read like spiritual, you know, emotional text. Like that's one thing like I'm wanting to learn more about is, is spirituality. And like, uh, I think I have a, a I think if you know playing with the whole concept of past lives, I think in a past life, like I've, I was like, so yeah, I had tendencies towards energy healing. Cause whenever I pick up these types of texts, I actually feel my body vibrating. It's very yeah. weird. I, I just start to like feel things more tunely. So there's a part of me that really wants to do that. And there's the part of me is like discipline. Like you don't have time for that. Like we were not making time for that. We're making time for this podcast. So it's being able to where I'm actively working on is, is being able to integrate both of those. And like you said, needing to allow for lowering the bar. And I think that we can all benefit from that because to continue to try and approach life as if it was pre-corona for many is going to be a fruitless effort that'll lead to more setback than it will going forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't my goal to like not be trying to move the book forward right now, but like, yeah, it's like, is that, is that tuning into the energy of the moment? You know, we have to respond. We have to keep responding. So, yeah, mm. I, I, I like the idea of you both doing your podcast and reading those books and vibrating. Mm. This has been sick. And I want to ask you, we've we've gone so many different directions, like everything from creating fire and in nature and in emotionally potty training and going into the depths of your story and, and how that ultimately led you down this 25 year journey to where you are now and how, when we can allow ourselves to express, move and mobilize those things get stuck in us to ultimately create this freedom to be, how can one now pragmatically begin this journey outside of obviously going and checking out your podcast, which we will have a, a way for to do that. But how can someone, if they're like, if I did nothing else, I can start right here, begin that journey of healing. Yeah. It's like the turning toward piece. It's like, you know, get really curious, decide that none of your sensations or feelings are bad or wrong. And when you notice and try to pay, bring some of your attention inside, when you start feeling mad at yourself or telling yourself you're doing a bad job, Take a few breaths. Try to feel what's happening in your body. Turn toward it. It's like becoming curious, moving towards your feelings, especially the hard ones is like, what's up? And, um, and honestly, like, you know, I, it took me a long time. Like I was probably, I think, you know, so I had been at this for like 15 years. I studied all of the great lineages in some way, like not, not in total depth, but like, you know, five 12 day meditation courses, like teaching yoga for years, like psychotherapy, cutting edge psychotherapy, you know, trainings and this specific work and learning how to work with my feelings in this way is really what did the most. And so Hmm. if you want to heal in this way, you know, you may as well, you have the free guided course, you know, through the shit show, which exists online. You can take it at your pace. Um, and for people, you know, I know you're going to ask me this, just like if people, so that's healing, feeling shit show. The I and shit is an asterisk and it's on all of the pl- podcast places. Um, and I would start with season one. So season two is going to show up first probably, but season one is this season one is what I'm talking about. Season two is great too. But, um, if you want the healing, that's what season one is. Um, Brilliant. 
but, but you can also get into my world, into my system. And also I made a cool quiz after the, uh, new media summit. I was like, quizzes. So great. So there's a quiz. If you go to your core wound.com, your core wound.com, there's like a five minute quiz and you take the quiz and then I will see the quiz personally look at your results and then send you a module. So it'll be either anger, fear, shame, or sadness. I will send you a module that gives you the episode in my podcast that relates to that, a little video of me talking about how to work with it and some tips. Um, And then when I do, and I'm so bad at this, find the time to send out an email or when I'm doing an offering, like I'm going to do a six-week offering, may or may not come out before my episode drops, but like during Corona of like really reduced fee kind of guiding people. So they go through the podcast and I make myself available for like two hours a week. Um, and I partner them up and give them like, um, a process to go through to kind of break it down to deepen their understanding. And then they'd also get discounted rates on individual work with me. So I'm doing stuff like that. You would find out about stuff like that if you do want to work with me. And I also do work with individual clients remotely, as everything is remote, but I was even doing that before. So, um, yeah. but you, but you can find all that through going to yourcorewound.com and you can listen to the podcast at healing feeling shit show, um, on any podcast server. And I just think like, it's useful to have help. Like I needed this guy in the desert and you might need me. Mm-hmm. You might, and that's okay. You know, we need help. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about being able to extend that hand and it's okay to, and it's okay to acknowledge. Yeah. It. And I think if you're anything like me, you know, there's some people who are just like naturally reach their hands up. But if you're anything like me, you're the first person to not reach out your hand because you're either probably the person who extends your hand and there's some kind of shame or guilt around, you know, not holding up that, that oh, like type mm-hmm. essence and like yeah. showing up as that person. So, you know, if you are the person who tends towards that, I would even say that that in and of itself is a blockage or something yeah. that needs to be looked at and being able to say, you know what? Yeah. yeah well, that's, and help. that's, that's the protector of the imposter. It's like, you know, we feel like we're not lovable if we're not, if we don't have it all figured out. Well, that's just not true. Like nobody, anyone who tries to act like they don't have any pain, that's like trying to act like you don't poop. Like, no, you know, like that person is not, but girls don't poop. That's what I thought that. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We just were really good about blowing it up in silence. (laughs) Be like looking around like, "Mm, yeah, you went out to get groceries. All right, it's time to go. Yeah. There's some funny, actually every episode of the podcast has a real poop story. And I have a story, my old, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but someone who was actually working with me, supporting (laughs) me when I was getting the podcast out, put a great episode of like her new relationship. And when she like pooped in a bag in the living room because the toilet was clogged and she didn't want to like poop on top of the clogged toilet and like ended up accidentally leaving it in the living room bag when she left the guy's apartment. Great shit. Anyway, because I think we should laugh. So, and if you don't like the poop stories, you can forward through them. Brilliant. Brilliant. I know that I have, and I will be continuously checking out your, your podcast. I love, love, love that we had this conversation. It's so much fun. Thank you for being here. It was so good. Sing, dance, move, find your medicine. Any final, yeah, healing. Yeah, guys, if you want to be yourself, it's possible. It feels much better and it just requires a little emotional body training. Mm. It just, but it's, but it really, it works. So Mm. get after it and thank you so much. And I I bless your journey of putting your podcast and your medicine out into the world. And you're such a bright light. And may you include these parts of you that you don't think are as bright. They're like, they will make you brighter and it's okay. And work with the work with the anger, you know, have a, have a holy tantrum and then tell me about it. 
A holy tantrum. Okay, that's fun. I can play with a holy tantrum. And and listen to episode seven if you don't know how, and you might want to start with episode five. Episode seven and five, people. You heard that? So clearly, we're always we're talking about medicine. We're talking about truth. We're talking about healing. As always, thank you for listening, for lending an ear. If you've made it this far, you are a warrior amongst many. And uh, as always, find, follow, live your truth, and continue to follow the wolf within you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening in. If you got value out of this message, we would love it if you subscribed and shared it with your tribe so we can continue to share this message and this medicine with people all over the world. Much love and peace be with you.